Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Extraordinary Family Life Podcast. Rachel and I are on our first getaway of the year. Yeah. Starting it off strong. <laughs> Day number 15. Yep. Of the um, year. Getting some time away and celebrating my birthday, which just happened. And I love, I, uh, I love like beginnings and endings. I love birthdays because it's Reflection a chance times. to do, yeah, deep reflection. I just take a good, solid look at every aspect of my life and say, how am I doing? What what worked? What didn't work? What's What needs improvement? What needs attention? Let's be better human beings. And how can I be better? So I love that. That's what we're doing. So um, we're, we're on a little getaway. So we've got some quiet time and space. And we love doing this podcast and sharing it. So you guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and for being a part of our our audience and our tribe and our community. It's hard to emphasize enough how important it is to have a community of, of people who are striving to be their best selves because that's what makes the world a better place. Mm-hmm. And with all the madness going on in the world and getting worse, and, and I, we're coming up on a time, you know, maybe the next five, probably the next five years, some absolutely insane things are going to happen on our planet. And we need strong families absolutely have most strong individuals and strong families so thank you well i think that ultimately that's actually the work that matters most i think it's that's why we do this podcast and keep talking about these things and do the coaching and everything we do because we truly believe that that's the most important work that needs to be done it's what happens within your own family that's going to make the biggest difference for the the world And, and we man we need it we need it so we so desperately already. <laughs> we humanity. And what's interesting is even if you're living in a place that's pretty pretty safe still, pretty comfortable, right? you don't you, you can wake up every day and, and same, our life's amazing. We wake up every day and we don't feel threatened. Right. We don't feel like, oh, I just We're lost some freedoms yeah. or I'm, I'm just but we see the writing on the wall, so to speak. We see the the signs of the coming storm. And so we are preparing as a family and we're trying to share this message. Like we have to be ready for what's coming. Just like every big crisis or catastrophe, there were signs, you know, plenty of signs leading up to it and a few years in advance of it. Right. The last major, major crisis was World War II. And if you were to go back and study what was happening in Europe in the 30s, there'd be big indications of what eventually would happen at the end. I think it was 39 when it started, right? If I'm not mistaken on the year. So if you study you know, 33 to 39, you're like, oh, yeah. Well, Why didn't they see this coming? And there's a lot of actually, actually a lot of similarities to what's happening now. If you pay attention, if you study the history and then you study the current events, you're like, Whoa, there's a lot of parallels here. This is crazy. There's something coming. Um, yeah, and so it's it's definitely the work that we are doing with our with ourselves primarily because we always want to focus on making the most of ourselves, and then in our marriages, and then with our children. That is hands down the most important work we can do. But, but something you mentioned on it's not like we you know we wake up every day feeling threatened or like our lives are in danger. 
And yet, in a lot of ways, I think threats are all around us and we just aren't aware of them or don't perceive them as a threat. Um, at least yet. It, yeah. But yeah. like in, especially in our family, I guess, we are noticing things that don't necessarily look like threats from the outset, but are actually threats. And it, it is something we're talking about and being proactive about with our families because you know, with technology and, and movies and, and media and social media and all these other inlets into our homes, so to say, like, yeah, we can be totally safe. At least we can feel physically safe. And yet there's an attack. I think right now the most serious attack is on like our minds, our, our ideas, what we think about, what we believe. That's where the danger lies right now. There are ideas out there that are being sold or promoted as the right thing the healthy good thing to do in society and yet if you study history and you study different topics including communism marxism you know blah blah totalitarianism all of that you see wait actually some of these ideas are very very dangerous and if you play them out five ten years down the road that's not a good outcome but for Many of us who are, I include myself, undereducated, we just think, eh, it's just a weird. What's the big deal? Yeah. yeah, why not? You know, it's, it's okay to be open minded. And while that has some truth to it, if you're too open minded, your brain falls out. <laughs> your brain falls out, as you love to say, <laughs> and society collapses. Yep. Literally, that's what happens. And that is the road we're on. And we're not the first or only ones to say this. Like, we're just paying attention to what's happening right. around us. Right. And that, that's very fitting with what we're going to talk about. Well, today. absolutely. I think it is. It's co directly connect in my mind, especially for our family, especially, it's directly connected to what we're talking about today because that is, we didn't necessarily realize that or, or could articulate that when we started homeschooling, but it is one of the underlying reasons we homeschool. Yep. And and that contrast is also important. How we started homeschooling versus now what we're doing for education is very, very different. Absolutely. This our our own education has evolved our strategies and even the resources that are now available. There's oh, it's we, so much easier now when, than we, started, when we started oh, twenty years ago. Goodness. Even the general even then it was easier than it had been right before that but. And, and the general perception of home education or alternative education that is one frowned upon that's good that's, that's a, good a positive benefit yeah. that came from covid and quarantine is that yes suddenly people rethought what homeschooling could meant be. or yeah. could be exactly and, and now it's not even so much homeschooling as we call it kind of home sourcing exactly. we source tons of resources and and other, the, you know, we're the best outsourcing schooling and, from home, basically. And what's what's awesome now, it was already happening, but the you know sending everybody home for COVID even exacerbated it more. It really sent it forward. It gave it a, like a quantum leap because all the the best thinkers and leaders and teachers and um, mentors put all their stuff online. Yeah. So now I'm not confined by my geographic limitation. Like mm -hmm. I don't have to. Your zip code well, I, determines I which live, school your kids go to. Exactly. I live right here. So within a 20, 20 30 mile radius, this is what I get for music instruction, for um, 
all the the core Academics. academic instruction, all that stuff. Like, oh, this, this is the limiting factor. Now you literally can have your kids get on and take a course from the most brilliant physicist on the planet. Right, which I think we'll talk more about this later. But, you know, for one example, our kids love taking classes from masterclass.com. They're literally taking classes from the masters, yep. one of which is Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is one of the best physicists on the planet. So you're right. I and mean, the kids love it. Oh, they absolutely love it. And, well, the other thing I thought of when you said that, because we've talked about it before in previous podcasts about and coaching about wealth, that one of the major determining factors regarding the income you earn is your zip code. And you think, well, wait, how does that work? Well, it just means that whatever zip code you're in, that determines your socioeconomic status. And you're just likely to continue in that status for the rest of your life. So your zip code determines your wealth, your level of wealth. I would, I would conjecture to say it probably also determines the outcome of your child's education. Absolutely. And, and I think that's correlated. Absolutely. Directly right. connected, I think. So there's all these indicators of um, what's happening in life and what we can do about it. And education is the absolute core piece of that. Just to introduce the topic, I mean, we know the topic, but like essentially we were asked a question and we've been asked before. You, Greg, love to say, at least now, you didn't always believe this, that every family should homeschool. And so people have I, asked us. I still, I'll come back to this. I still have a disclaimer on that, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I, and I would agree. There's definitely a disclaimer on that. Um, and maybe what, maybe what you mean, I'm going to guess here, is every family that's listening to our podcast or in our coaching should homeschool, right? <laughs> because that's a certain demographic. That's a certain um, type of person. Right, because there's a lot of people who should definitely not homeschool. And those are probably the same people I would say they shouldn't have children. Right, but uh, they're not the ones necessarily listening <laughs> to our podcast. But unfortunately, they probably already have children and they need help. Right. Um, but I'm going to say if you are remotely intelligent and have somewhat of self-discipline and self-control, you're not psychotic, you, you know, have a decent um, mental, emotional health and a good balance. And you, if you know how to learn and how to find resources, then absolutely you should educate your kids. You should be homesourcing. Homesourcing because you're going to be able to put together a far, far better educational package for your kids than is being offered um, even at the best public schools. Right. And, and we'll get into that. So, in yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. But essentially the question we have been asked specifically in our coaching is, well, what do you mean by that? Especially because I have my kids in school. It's a good school. They don't seem to be you know, getting into trouble or bad kids or having problems because of it, do you really think I still should be homeschooling? Right. Especially if we're both working or this or that, or yeah. like, you know, all and, of the contingencies that are out there. And there's a lot of you listening and there's a lot of good people out there that, you know, are good, good parents, good people, have good kids, and they're in, quote, good schools. And so you might live, let, let's say, here's what I want to do today. <clears throat> Some of you, let's say that you live in a good, affluent 
community and you have a quote good school district or a good school let's i want to go with that scenario because a lot of people are like oh yeah we live in a bad area or, yeah man we're a crap school there's all kinds of horrible things happening there but then it's it's kind of more of a no-brainer like get your kids out right. of there well especially in some scenarios we've heard where there have been school shootings or school threats of school shootings and parents are like yeah i'm gonna homeschool my kid that's an obvious and an absurd violence in the middle schools and high schools or bullying or whatever so obviously there's plenty of parents who come to homeschooling because of situations like that in this case we were asked a question by someone who's not experienced any of that and they're still wondering should i still be thinking about like why 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 are you saying i should still be thinking about they're asking why i would be so bold to say hey you should really bring your kids out of school and and offer them education at home but i'm still thinking of of these scenarios where in in very very christian communities pretty pretty affluent there's a, a large handful of kids showing up believing that they are what do you call them furries they, they believe they're animals well and, you're you're jumping right into the deep end here of yeah. one of the reasons well, right because because <laughs> you're in a good area with a good people and good christian community in a good school and yet they're like oh yeah you know there's there's like you know x number of furries in our school and they're allowed well, this is literal, you know, like we've talked to them. We, ha- we have conversations with people like this. That, so they, you know, they have dress codes except for the furries. The furries can literally come and dress like animals and act like animals and nobody can say anything. About and then the teachers are admin and nobody can make fun of them. And they're like, are you kidding me? And then they're, they're allowing this kind of stuff and promoting it. And, and they're promoting this idea of depression and anxiety and, all this stuff that it's it's totally normal and and all the gender confusion and and all kinds of stuff that if we would just step back um either time or space because rachel and i travel extensively obviously and we've just been in in multiple countries and and the thought on most of this planet the vast majority of this planet the thought of, of, of somebody believing they're an animal or a gender transformation would just be so absurd it would be laughable. Well, it is laughable to many people in developing but, countries, the developing right. world especially. And, and, and you might Literally, say, well, they it's because they're it. underdeveloped. No, they're not. They've got a lot they're put under, together. They're uneducated and And, and that's, not, that's not the case either. They, they're just grounded in real common sense and, and what life means. And if you would go back a century or two, same thing across the board. There's just prejudice, Greg, and, and under Right, and that's, that's part of the message that's being promoted is like it's reversed racism, it's sexism, it's, it's being pushed in the name of tolerance and patience and understanding and acceptance where those things are no longer a virtue when, they, when, when things turn weird yeah and, and beyond what's normal and natural and healthy and again uh, as soon as i say those words oh well, what's normal and what's natural and oh you're just you're, you're just, just a white a privileged male. white you know? male exactly <laughs> so i get thrown on the bus because i for some reason i happen to be born white 
and the mail. So, I mean, I'm kind of nervous that you're starting with this right out the gates because I, you know, we got a lot of great points here. I want to cover those <laughs> first before people shut this off and say, you don't even know what you're talking about, Greg. So you're, and, you're right, right, right. Okay, let's back my up. I, I jumped in the deep end too quickly because there's a lot of other really important elements first. So if you're, you're tempted to turn it off, just, just hold it out. We got a, we made a whole list here, all these bullet points. And I want to back, actually, let me do this right now. I want to back way up. I am in no way, shape or form saying that homeschool is the magic pill. That if you bring your kids home, then everything will work out. They'll get a great education. The kids They'll be will awesome turn out kids. perfectly. They'll, yep. Everything will be fine. They'll never do drugs. They'll never um, be criminals or whatever. And they'll just be wonderful and have good social skills and happy marriages. I am not saying that at all. No way. Um, home education or home sourcing or world schooling is just another vehicle. It's just another tool. But if you don't know how to use the tool or if you don't use it, if you take that good vehicle and drive it off a cliff, it'll fail epically. Right. And it, that's true with any vehicle. Now, can good people come through the public school system or what, what actually, let's be honest, we have to be more responsible with our words. It is government school. It's run by the government. So the best teachers, the best administrators with the best intent, they are still dictated to by the government. So what we call public schools are actually government schools. It's run by the government. And I don't know if you're looking around, our government is an absolute mess. It's a joke. Anything run by the government is a complete and utter embarrassment. Not in my district, Greg. You don't know my government it's still it's still led by federal well, and then state and then local government okay and, and tying into what you were just saying there i think ultimately with this approach that we have we're not saying potentially for your family that government school or private school are not good options in fact we would say they are good options but what we're trying to do is like we always do like that's the whole point of our podcast, The Extraordinary Family Life, we're trying to hold up a different standard. We're trying to hold up a higher vision and in fact, an extraordinary vision. So in some ways, what we're saying is, hey, if you're listening to The Extraordinary Family Life podcast and you want to create an extraordinary family, one of the things that's likely going to require is homeschooling. And here's why, yep. point of this podcast. Exactly. It's, or homes, home sourcing, whatever you want to call it. We're just going to call it alternative education because you're right. And well, and, and I hear this all the time. Like I went, I went to public school, and I'm I turned out okay. I hear that all the time. <laughs> we're we're going for more than okay. We're Ex going for better exactly. than okay. Exactly. We I'm turned like, out okay too. We went to home, we went to public school, but and, and okay was grossly not enough. It was not sufficient. Yeah. Like ah. what we learned on pub in public school, yes, it provided a foundation. But in order to create the extraordinary life we have, we had to home source our own education. You and I, we had to educate ourselves further so that we had the tools necessary to create the extraordinary life we're having, that we have. And, and for so, both of us, there was a lot of healing that had to take place. And we'll absolutely. get into that later because of the, just the wounding mm -hmm. that happens in the government school setting. It is, it is horrendous. And children should not be exposed to that. Right. So, oh. Well, we things we had to unlearn. There was tons of things we well, had to unlearn. Right. I was going to say. There was just all kinds of garbage. Let, let's go through our list. That we made. I, I want to say this so I don't forget, though. You guys don't. I'm not throwing every teacher administrator under the bus. 
I, I worked in public school. I worked in private school. Um, I know a lot of like five or six years, genuinely good people who are teachers or administrators. They want what's best. And they're doing their best. And they're and they doing are, their best. They're good teachers. Yeah, they really are. Their hands are tied. Their hands are tied. And so what we are addressing is the vehicle as a whole. Now, we'll, we'll get into it on some, some particulars. But, well, let me tell, tell, tell a story. I was working, uh, I was teaching at a public high school. And I went into the faculty room. And there was a, a large number of teachers in there. And on a regular basis, they were just whining and complaining and cursing. And condemned. they just hated their jobs. They hated the youth they were teaching. And they could not wait for Friday and for summer and for retirement. Those were just the regular conversations. Now, I don't know about you, but there's no way in the world I would want my children being taught by someone who hates youth, hates what's happening, hates their job, hates their life. Hates the subject. Hates the subject. Just <laughs> literally can't wait until the school day's over, can't wait until the week's over, can't wait until the school year's over, can't wait until retirement. That's what they live for. And, and I understand this. I think you understand it. Because a lot of people live that way, they just—they're doing a job. It's, they just picked a career. They just picked something because they're like, "Well, I need a job. I need something to pay the bills, so I'll just do this." Well, that's not an extraordinary way to live, Ugh. and that's our point. A sad way to live. In fact, that's one of the emphases here. Emphases here. I love that word. <laughs> I self-educating myself. <laughs> um, that's one of the things we're trying to emphasize here. Is that. To get the extraordinary level, you have to take extraordinary steps. And you have to learn from extraordinary people, the people that have passion and interest and care about what they're doing because all of that is transmitted and not only in the subject that's being taught, but in an overall approach to life. So think about that as one basis of the approach. Do you want to send your kids to an environment where they're surrounded by people who basically hate being there? And aren't living with passion and joy and excitement for life? Or do you want to expose your children to those who are living at higher levels and who are actually excited and passionate about living? That's yes. one major difference that we're talking about. So I think point number one could be from a book by Parker Palmer called The Courage to Teach. I, I have a different point number one. I know, I know. But... But I, okay, <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to kind of put together. Ultimately, you guys, if you're still listening, and we love you if you're still listening. If you made it this far, you're our favorite. And you're like, <laughs> those stupid Dennings. Um, if you've made it this far and you're still listening, thank you. Ultimately, you guys, we're not saying what, well, we're trying not to. I do it all the time. We're trying, I am trying not to say, hey, this is what you should do. What I'm ultimately saying is like, this is why we do it. Yeah. This is and, why and we have not... never sent our kids to school and we never will. So the whole argument, if you'll, if you'll forgive my ranting when I get into it, I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, you should do this. I'm saying this is why we've done it, and, and I'm gonna, we're trying to share our thoughts and our philosophy and our understanding here so you know why. But standard number one is— Well, and to caveat with that is that also we do understand that there may be— there's, of course, going to be exceptions yes, to this. Absolutely. You might live in the perfect 
location, the perfect district with the perfect teachers that are just right and exactly what your kid needs, or at least one of your kids needs. And that's great. That's perfect. No, there's no such thing. Okay. Perfect is a close. strong word. The right thing for that child at that time mm. type approach. Or you have no better option. That's, <laughs> that's my And sometimes that's no the case. Option. Like you have to We understand no that option. there are variables. Anyways, though, but back I have, to... I have to go with the, the courage to teach. Parker Palmer says there's, it is absolutely impossible to not teach what you are. Mm -hmm. So every single teacher, every single mentor, every single tutor, every coach, every administrator, everyone your, your child interacts with is teaching, no matter the subject, they're teaching what they are. Or who they are. Or who they are. So if they are unpleasant, if they're miserable, if they're unhappy, if they're addicts, if they're perverts, if they're cynics and critics, if they're just pessimists, if they're extremists, fatalists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if they're nihilists, then that's going to come across no matter their subject. It doesn't matter if it's chemistry or math or art. If they're nihilists or fascists or put in your thing, communists, if, if they're <laughs> um, sexual perverts, then it's going to come out right. in what they teach and how they teach. And so it's not just the subject. You're like, oh, you know, we have a great math teacher, but that teacher happens to be an alcoholic or a porn addict or living in, in relationship after relationship because they can't even stay in a relationship. Right. That's going to come out. It can't not. And there's a couple things there. One of them, you know, I think especially early on, that was one of the reasons why we did choose to homeschool because we had such high standards for ourselves and for what we wanted our children to learn that we thought, until I can find what I'm looking for, you know, we may not, we're definitely not perfect, but we're the best option I, we've got, right? And then, of course, the other side of the argument is, well, there's nobody out there that's perfect. Everybody has their weaknesses. They're, you know, even the masters on masterclass still have their problems. Yes, 100%. I totally agree with that. But I guess in some ways, that's why I prefer that approach because they're still going to teach who they are in the masterclass, but that's a lot different than being surrounded by that person day after day, week after week, month after month which is what's happening when they go to school and they are surrounded by their teachers and their peers, they're absorbing and picking up a whole lot more than they are when they're in your home environment and then being exposed to masters who teach them a subject and then from a distance. Like, from a distance. And, and we can even, we even eliminate, right? So let's say there's, there's five or 10 masters out there we're looking at. You just start noticing you're like, that person is a very foul person. Or that person, you, hear, you just hear something, you, learn, you just do a little bit of research and you're like, wow, they've lived a horrible life. Maybe it's criminal activity or maybe it's just literally disgusting. They're just disgusting humans. And you're like, okay, that guy, he is world-class at marketing, but he's a disgusting human. I'm going to go find somebody else who's mm -hmm. world-class at marketing and learn from him. Yeah, me. there's more you options. Choose. There's more options. Yeah. Exactly. So if you have two people that are really, really good at their craft and one of them is a dirtbag, choose the other one. That's what we're talking about. Right. Well, that's one thing we're talking about. Okay, so that's one. You you teach what who you are, yep. what you are. You wanna? I wanted to mention "Dumbing Us Down" by John Gatto. 
Are we yes. going to come up on that one? Okay. Let's go, let's let's go, go through, through our list. list. <laughs> okay. Rachel has so a list here. We're going to go through the list. We made a list while we were driving, I think, from Morocco to Portugal last week. Because our car broke down and then we were re returning and we were talking about it. What I put on number one here is one of the reasons to homeschool, especially when you're trying to reach the extraordinary level, is that when you do research at all, and this is specifically related to the United States and I would say many Western westernized countries, you learn that many of the teachers who are teaching are actually very unqualified. Absolutely. And along with that, not only are they unqualified to teach the subject they're teaching, but they also suck at teaching. They're not even good at it. They're not even they, like they're not even that good at teaching in general because teach you are a teacher and teaching is a skill. And well, so, and I've studied pedagogy. Pedagogy is the the art of teaching. I've studied it for over two decades. Like I'm I'm all over this, and I am intense about it. And the most teachers, even with a teaching certification, that's okay. So the, they go and get a degree, but they often well, they often okay. don't even okay. Keep Let going. me give the background on this so okay. people don't think we're just making this up. There's a book out there called The Smartest Kids in the World, and it's written by I don't know, can't remember man or woman, the author who studied teachers in all different countries. Now, at the time the book was written, the number one country in the world for education was Finland. And in Finland, for one thing, they don't even start school till they're seven. So they start much later. They don't even focus on academics. They focus on things like playing. Your core values. <laughs> core of, of values. Going out into the woods, like so forest school. Just a healthy, happy right. kid. And then their teachers, well, I think for all levels, even elementary school, go through the equivalent of a doctorate. Okay, think about that. The same amount of schooling required to become a doctor in the United States is what is required to become a teacher in Finland. That's how they take be. their teaching seriously. Yep. And they're well paid for it. And they're respected. And they are very much respected. Like there is no disrespect in the schools in Finland. They respect the teachers. So, and then, so that's the one side of it. And then they talked about in the United States, like you can get any degree in anything and become a and, teacher and, some, and not even have to know your subject. Right, you can you can just jump on and they're like, hey, we need somebody to teach this subject and, and you don't have a real basis in it and they'll throw you in there because they need yeah. it. So you don't have to know your subject that well. And again, those of you who now, have I mean, a degree, I, I have a degree. Those of you who have a degree, you realize how easy it is. It is so easy to get a degree in this country. It's too easy. Mm -hmm. And it, well, it, and that was that was that was part of the point made in the book. And in fact, I would like I can't even remember all the details, but I highly recommend reading it if you're wondering because they were they were just laying out clear facts how dismally uneducated most of the teachers are in the United States. Like it's a embarrassment. Yep, it really is. It truly is, and and it's that sad. and they emphasize that. In the United States, especially sports, yeah. above everything else. Yep. You know, in other schools, it's about the academics, and the sports is a side thing. They they're talking about in the U.S. schools, especially arts, arts and music get cut, and all of these programs get cut so that we can keep the sports program. Like we got to have our sports. Yeah. Who cares about culture and education and you know all of this? 
we got to have support. And so because of it, it's just really lowered the level of the quality of the education that is happening across the board in the United States. Like that's just, you know. And it's sad. So it's super, super easy to get a degree. And then there's a tiny bit of pedagogy. So they're like, hey, uh, here's, here's how you teach. And, and so they're not effective teachers. Well, that was the other thing in Finland. Like they had to go through this lengthy period of time, I think one or two years, where they did um, what, student You're teaching. Observed, or, yeah. Yeah, like you were practicing teaching. You were observing other teachers teach. And then you had to practice it yourself. Like it was a long period of time Perfect. where they had to go through this whole thing to actually be good at teaching, which exactly. makes perfect sense. Yep. <laughs> Made me want to move to Finland. I would put my kids in school there. So there's there's another rock solid point right there that when and, and ultimately you're outsourcing your when you send them to school, you're you're just what you're trying to do without maybe consciously or unconsciously, you're trying to hand this off so you're not responsible for your kid's education, which is absolutely impossible. At the end of the day, you as a parent are 100% responsible for your kid's education. If they get educated or not, it's on you whether you send them to school or not. So then you're trying to outsource, so you're sending them off there and, and they're going and being exposed to how many teachers? Five, eight a, a day or whatever? And, and you don't know them. You haven't interviewed them. You don't know their background. You're just trusting that the government has selected qualified people who a like we talked about are living good lives b have a really great understanding of their subject matter and c know how to effectively teach well not even to mention that they are passionate about their subject and care right. about it and really and care about children or youth yeah some do a lot don't and if they did they just got sick of it and they're just burnt out and jaded well what, what and then... killed me in the university i gotta share this point what just absolutely killed me at university level is they had these PhDs who were extremely knowledgeable in their subject and even passionate about the subject, but they could not teach a, if their life depended on it. They just, you don't have to be able to teach. If you have a doctorate, you can, you become a professor and you can teach a class. You, they couldn't teach the most eager student. Couldn't, the best student on the planet couldn't learn from those guys. They just, they knew their subject matter, but they had zero skill and ability to teach. And so what's the point? Like, okay, you understand the subject matter, but you cannot convey it to another human yeah, being. Yeah, it's two different things. Well, and then not even to bring in the fact, well, actually you did talk about it before, is that on top of all of that, in the government school system, the teacher's hands are tied when they want to do something different or, or even have a different learning style or a different yeah. learning approach or to... We're not even getting into the fact that not all students learn the same or the very proven fact that boys do not learn the same as girls and that they need to move around. They, they need to be able to run and play and be rough and all of these things that they're not allowed to do in school. And so they end up getting medicated, you know, so that they can sit still and pay attention. That's a whole nother topic, right? Well, you know, let's, let's nail that one right now, though. If nothing else, if everything else were good, but I was aware of the mass medication they're handing out to kids and calling them ADD or ADHD and saying they need to be drugged because they're active. Their brain is different. And their brain learns differently and they're rambunctious and they wiggle. 
if it was only that factor, I would never send my kids there. I mean, any any institution that is drugging children and not allowing them children, to be children, right? I'm out. Uh, if that was the only factor, I'm out. And they're like, well, they're not giving it to my my kids. Yeah, but the kind of people who are handing out drugs like that to kids are from such a screwed up mentality, philosophy, mindset. I don't ever want my kids anywhere near those. What do you, I don't even know what to call them. <laughs> it's evil. And they're, they're not. Definitely not good. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, that brings me to one of our point, actually, because we just were listening to a podcast by Jordan B. Peterson, not even related to education, but he said the education system, K through 12 and college, is one of the most corrupt systems on the planet. Yep. That is a direct quote from one of the most brilliant men of our time literally saying that the education plant the education system is one of the most corrupt systems on the planet and i agree wholeheartedly yeah so there's another point it, it is it's a huge monster and it is corrupt all the way through so it would be extremely naive of me to say well yeah but our school is really it hasn't good. been tainted by right. the corruption our school isn't like the other schools it's it's part of it, and yeah, maybe maybe it's varying degrees, but well, it's still part of the system that is extremely extremely corrupt. Right, and and this is definitely a good point to bring in the mention what you mentioned before about the books written by former public school teachers, um, dumbing us down. Mm-hmm. Must read, yep. especially if you're going to send your kids to school. You need to know what's going on. Weapons of mass instruction. <laughs> yep. Like, and just the fact that it's, it used to not be so common knowledge. Now it's pretty much common knowledge. You can look this up. Schools were started to train factory workers. Factory workers. So they, they adopted the Prussian model, which was essentially trained to, cha- to train, like, military. In the United States, they adopted it during the Industrial Age. And it was specifically intended, I mean, and created by Rockefeller and all of them to train workers so that they would have workers to work in the factory. Because one of the disadvantages or problems they were facing was that they they needed at least basic literacy for people to be able to work in the factories. They needed factory workers because, you know, industrial age boom and all of these factories needed workers in them. But basic literacy is a problem. And so they wanted to put them through a system that would give them a basic education, but also train them to be able to work in the factories, which is why schools and factories have so many similarities. And in fact, there's this one black woman I follow on Instagram who loves to point out that schools and prisons are very much the same. Like they have the same, she posts these pictures all the time of like contrasting. Here's the school lunchroom. Here's the prison lunchroom. Here's the school bells. Here's the prison bells. Here's the school desks. Wow. It's really fascinating. But like, it's this institutionalized approach to things of like, we need to train non-thinking, order-following people to do the jobs that have to be done. Now, another problem that we're obviously facing nowadays is that there aren't factories like there used to be before. And 
everybody knows of the student who got good grades, went to college, got their degree, and is unemployed or can't find a job. Like, that's just the most common story nowadays. And yet nobody's thinking, wait, oh, maybe we're doing this wrong. We need a new approach, right? So we've got to start thinking differently about this. Right. And, well, um, it's, it's a system designed to, to eliminate, like, total ignorance. So it works for that. Right. You don't want a civilization or a society that's completely ignorant. You want you want to have everyone be somewhat literate, and even that's arguable. Like some high school kids, a a large part of high school kids are getting out, and they're just barely literate, which is just absurd. Well, I mean, in many ways, yeah, the schools, the government school system has done the job it was created to do. It's it's it has accomplished that, and that's great. In that, in a way, it has it has improved overall prosperity. Right over time and that's wonderful Fantastic. but i guess back to our main point we're we're now seeking for something higher yeah. than that so we're, we want to go above the bare minimum in a in a very real way if rachel and i just sat down and said if we choose to send our kids to school what we're doing is we're embracing mediocrity we're accepting a right. bare minimum mm-hmm. standard so if i'm gonna send my kids to public government school I, i'm i'm okay with a just a bare minimum of education right and we haven't even got to like even if you're sending, even if you're sending your kids to quote unquote the best schools, I still feel like that's the outcome. Yeah. It's maybe just slightly higher than mediocre, yeah. right? Um, okay, maybe now we we switch a little bit to another aspect of it, because you know when people ask us or they talk to us and they're like, "I've got good kids and they're in good schools and like they've got good outcomes," and and we say, "Yeah, that is true." But as we think about it and we discuss it, I think there's one aspect of this that for us is a major point that is completely missing if you send your kids to public school simply because it's just not logistically possible. And that, that is, that thing is that's so important to us is that you will never, ever have the level of influence or the depth of relationship with your children that you want to have or hope to have that's possible. I'm getting confused here. I'm like, how to exactly word, word this, but it's not possible if you send them to public school versus having them at home simply because of the amount of hours you are spending with your children. Does that make sense? So essentially you can't have as deep, or powerful influence with your kids because they're going away to school and spending hours and hours and hours away from you versus the amount of time they spend with you picking up on who you are as a person by being at home with you. Yeah, so if you could just even like see it in a pie chart of just right. hours with you versus hours away from you, it's that's pretty crazy to think about. And if you add, and it starts at a young age, which just kills mm-hmm. me. It's so sad. Little kids should not be away from their parents. Unless their parents now, are crazy, they should be away from them. <laughs> well, and, okay. and again, that's the, that's, the, that's the disclaimer there. You said, you know, you can't have influence in a great relationship unless they're home with you. But if you're crazy, or if you're mean, or you're unpleasant, or you're controlling, or you're name it, like whatever, pick your thing. 
that's no guarantee for your yeah. leadership or influence. Well, and that goes back to what you said before that, you know, just because we're promoting this doesn't mean it's the cure all pill. No way. And, and that's not what I'm saying either. Just because you have your kids home with you, that you're going to have more influence over them, or they're going to have more respect for you, or you're going to have deeper relationships with them. That's not the given just because they're at home. But if you are intentional, if you're striving to live that more extraordinary life, if you're constantly working on yourself, if you're educating yourself, if you're improving yourself and strengthening your relationships, if all of that is worked into the quote unquote homeschool that's going on, which in our case has has been the case, then as a result, your children seeing all of that taking place on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. Best education there is. It's the best education there is. And it levels up your influence in over them and in their lives. Like the one thing that sticks out to people, and this isn't just us saying it, it's them saying it to us when they come on trips with us or they meet our kids or whatever. They see how much influence we have. And when I say influence over our kids, this isn't in a manipulative with power grabbing way it's yeah we have influence with our kids they seek out our advice our our wisdom they ask us questions they they want to be with us they want to spend time with us we have influence with them because of the hours that we've invested in them and in our family and in ourselves well and that's what that's what they see and, and we had this conversation yesterday. Like we have um, influence capital, so to speak, mm-hmm. with our kids because they are observing. Never, ever underestimate how much your kids are observing you. They're paying attention. They may not be able to articulate it, but they see what you're doing day in and day out. And so my children know me better than anyone else. And they see me more often in more circumstances than anyone else on the planet. And my own kids are like, hey, dad, like, I'll listen to you. I'll follow you. I'll do what you ask because I see you doing what you say, mm-hmm. right? You, you live what you teach. So, yeah, I'm going to pay attention. Right. right? And, and they said that yesterday. I'm not, I'm not tooting my own horn here. I'm just like, this is part of the formula. If you are striving to be the best version of yourself, that's the critical element in this educational piece. Of, of you know, education is formation. Right. It's not just academics. It's not a transfer of information. It's the formation and the cultivation of a human being. Exactly. So in that, they have to see that. So if I'm living and really striving to be the very best version of myself, then I have influence with my kids. Well, and then back to that idea of teachers teach who they are. Then, of course, the obvious choice is if you're that person who's living at that higher level and that higher standard, your children should be spending more time and being exposed more to you than to anyone else. Absolutely. Because you're going to be then charting that path for them to follow for the rest of their their life. Yes. Ooh, let's really just emphasize that. The best education that any child can have is to have proximity to somebody who's setting a world-class example. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. So you you get a, a child because they're going to absorb what they're surrounded by. Every child does. There's, there's no getting around that. So 
the best education then is to surround them with people who have great habits, great mindsets, great skill sets, great heart sets, people who are really striving to live life as superb human beings. Put a child next to that person and let mm -hmm. them be mentored and guided and read this and do this. Oh, and don't do that. Mm -hmm. Where there's going to be correction and feedback and encouragement. That's what you want. Proximity to that as much as you possibly can. The goal then is to be that person. Mm -hmm. And then where you lack, which, you know, I lack infinitely in so many skill sets and, and knowledge bases. So then I go out and I outsource it. I find somebody who is truly phenomenal at a knowledge base or a skill set. And I hire that person to teach and tutor my children, mm -hmm. whether I buy their course or their book, or I send them to a webinar or a seminar or whatever it is. Or even a live camp. Or... I, I couldn't help my kids with music skills if my life depended on it, right? <laughs> so I'm going to find somebody who's a good person and has really great skills, whether it's voice or guitar or whatever, and I'm, I'm going to outsource mm -hmm. because I, I am not, I'm absolutely, utterly failing to set an example of music mm -hmm. for my children. And it's on me. But my kids are actually very musically talented and, mm -hmm. and it's beautiful, wonderful, in spite of their father's failings. So I'm going to outsource that one because I'm not doing, I'm not doing, I don't have it. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of those examples where I'm, I'm like, I'm setting an example in so many ways, but in so many ways that I'm not, I'm going to outsource that. But if we think that, well, you know, I, I just want to outsource all of that. That's why I'm sending them to school, which in a way, that's what school is. You're outsourcing their education by sending them away. The major point we're trying to make here is that you're losing the power to influence your children simply by reducing the number of hours they have with you. And I get it. You know, there's plenty of parents that they're okay with that because like my oldest daughter just the other day was, you know, she loves to bring us these things to think, what, what do you guys think about this? And how would you respond to this? And one of them was like, let's just normalize not liking our kids, right? There's just moms out there. They just don't like their kids and that's okay. Let's normalize that. And so there are those parents out there who just want to send their kids away to school because they don't like them. They don't want to spend time with them and they want to have time for themselves. There are those selfish people. But that's not who we're talking to. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the people that want to have something better than that. They want to like their kids. They want to spend time with their kids or at least learn how to spend, enjoy spending time with their kids. They want to make sure their kids get the best education possible. And they want to have a lifelong friendship and influence in their children's life because they care about them. And you're going to gain that at higher levels by having your children with you more, not less. And, and helping them become likable, good humans. If it, oh, ladies and gentlemen, if you do not like your children, that's on you. Mm -hmm. You own that. If your kids are annoying, that's on you. Well, one your of Jordan kids... Peterson's 12 rules of life is, you know, don't let your children do things that make you not like them. Because when they do things that you don't like, they're also not liked by other people and you are like setting your child up for failure to behave in ways that aren't likable. So then they go out into the world not being liked and wondering what's wrong with them. It's your responsibility to teach them how to be liked. That's not to conform or to, you know, like be a people pleaser, but to understand that, yeah, there's, you know, there's certain rules of engagement in society and you need to at least understand what they are.
And of course, that's part of the phenomenal education. So, okay, now on the other side of this a little bit is along with the number of hours you spend away, they spend away from you, which reduces the amount of influence you have over them. Increases their peer influence. Are we going it on? also increases their peer dependence and their peer influence. There's an amazing book that all parents should read. It's called Hold On To Your Kids, and it talks about the destructive force of peer dependence and peer influence. And there's let's, just let's like, let's back well, okay, but I just want to say something. Well, okay, maybe you should say that first and then I'll. When I met Rachel, she was working at a daycare center. Mm -hmm. And I was working at a high school. Mm -hmm. So I was working with teens. Um, and actually, I, you know, I had the privilege of working with um, just all teens, but some very troubled teens. And so the stories I heard and the things I saw of just horrendous, horrendous atrocities being committed and, and sick things and sad things. Well, and you guys know my story. I was out on my own at 16. I was living in bad neighborhoods and in the bad part of town, and I, I saw horrendous things. So I, I already knew. Even before I met Rachel, I had lived with all kinds of families and, and convicts and I've lived in all kinds. Of, so I, I know, I saw firsthand what youth are capable of, and most of which they picked up from their home. So there's a lot, and this is so sad, it just breaks my heart. There's a lot of evil, dark, heinous things happening every day in families and homes. The kids, just they just pick it up. They, they mimic it. They, that's just the world they grew up in. Unfortunately, it's so sad. Well, and they take and a perfect, it to school. Perfect example of this is when I was working at that daycare. I was teaching five-year-olds. And that's where I was going. Oh yeah, and so you know, one day during nap time, I walk over behind the bookcase, and there's two five-year-olds trying to have sex. And I'm like, how does this even? How is this even possible? Like they don't even have the capability of doing this, and yet they're trying to mimic the act. That they've seen somewhere and then this is what they're doing during nap time yep. in daycare yep and that's where i was going that that story that because i knew it happened at you know high school level and then you, you told me i was like oh my goodness these little little kids are either seeing um well and, and if if they happen to see their parents having sex that's one thing what's happening more often is they're seeing they're observing abuse or they're being abused. Or and, they're just watching shows that are or, not or appropriate for their age to because porn yeah. or all kinds of stuff. And and because I'm you know, I'm an advocate against um, or an advocate against human trafficking, you know, I'm I'm aware of stories and examples and I you know getting involved in that doesn't it doesn't take far to study this a little bit and you realize, okay. The, the the unbelievable amount of abuse that's happening every day. And most abusers are, are somebody that the person knows. So it's usually within their home or, mm -hmm. or they're related to them or it's nearby. The, the amount of that garbage that's happening all the time, it will blow your minds. And that stuff's being brought into the school. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about peer dependence and peer influence, you, you're, you think, oh, no, my kids have good friends or we live in a good area. 
or you know we live in a very christian area or whatever it is it is so absurdly naive to think that because you're in a good area or you have around quote good people or they're you know church people or whatever it is so naive to think that the same amount of filth and garbage is not happening in those homes as well i guarantee you in whatever neighborhood you live in, whatever church congregation you go to, I guarantee there are hardcore porn addicts and perverts. There's highly likely going to be uh, child sex offenders in there. There's all kinds of despicable things happening in those homes that those kids are taking with them to school and sharing it, influencing it, like whatever. It, it's happening. And from, from porn to drugs to abuse to, to disgusting racism and prejudice or, or whatever. Name, name your vice. It's happening in their homes and it's going to the school and your kids are being exposed to it. And just to be clear here, you know, and I, hopefully you guys know this if you've listened to our other podcasts and our other whatever, anything else we have. We're in no way promoting sheltering your children from all the evils of the world, right? That's not the platform we have because we are very much about exposing your children to the dark side of the world and preparing them to be able to take it on, right? To fight it. But the point is there's a time and place for that to happen. And it shouldn't be happening when they're five years old. We're not talking about throwing your five-year-old to the wolves saying, hey, you're going to have to be exposed to the world sometime, kid. Nor at 15 via their peers. Right. The exposure to the dark side of the world should come from a mentor, ideally a parent. I'm, I want to be the one who exposes my children to the evils of the world. Me. Yes. I want my arm around them. I want to say, son or daughter, this is the reality of what's happening. No sugarcoating, no holding back. This is the evil that's happening in the world. These are the results. This is this is what's being done. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna hide with our heads in the or sand. Pretend or... We're not gonna pretend everything's great. I'm not gonna tell them that all adults are wonderful and all adults are angels. That's yeah. literally what some one was told. And, or all <laughs> all Christian people are this or all none of that garbage. I'm gonna tell them straight up. But I want it to come from me and there's not from a peer a... that's coming from this weird background. Right, that doesn't understand it or understand the long-term consequences. Of it. And that, that's the major difference, I think, is that when you teach and train and mentor your children in the line of thinking and acting and behaving that's proven to be healthy psychologically, emotionally, mentally, physically, that's different than them just being exposed willy-nilly to whatever that's out there and, and saying oh this is cool you should try it or this is cool you should do it or i think this or he thinks that or and they don't know what's up down left or right like someone has to be there saying oh yeah that's an interesting idea but where do you think that actually leads yep. when you think that or behave in that way and being able to point out the long-term consequences of certain ways of thinking and when your kids are just talking to their peers about it there's cool no one is. there it yeah. and in that book um Hold on to your kids he says it's the blind leading the blind it literally is because the peers don't have the long-term answers nope. and they're teaching whether you like it or not they're teaching your children how to think and what to think and nobody's there to contradict it or say otherwise 
So your kids will pick up ideas that they may hold on to for the rest of their life. You don't know. Be, simply because they were exposed to them and didn't have someone there to mentor their thinking about that thing. Now, some of the arguments we've heard is, well, it'll, it'll make them. Yeah, some of the arguments are, <laughs> you know, it, it'll, it'll make them tough. Or they need to be exposed. They're not naive and sheltered. and uh, You know, the, that's just the way the world is. So or, they, they better learn it. Or we've heard the other argument of, well, our children need to be there to be the good influence. To, to help the rest of the people who are, <laughs> yep. you know, whatever they're doing. Like, our kids need to be the one to save them. And to me, I'm like, that's a dumb idea. There's no way I'm throwing my child out there to try to be the savior for a whole group, a pack of wolves. When in order to actually, and this is the point, this is our point, in order for them to actually fight, let's say, the wolves, they need to be strong enough and, and confident enough to know what they're doing, to be able to fight effectively. Fighting evil ultimately comes when you're an adult prepared to take it on. And you have trained and trained and exactly. trained. You have skills and you have a team. You have a whole army with you. Right. That's when you fight evil. Otherwise, and, and I'm dead serious in this. Otherwise, you, you try to fight evil um, before you're ready, you die. Well, it's like that. You lose. It's like that funny quote or phrase I heard when I was, you know, a teen. Like, you can't stick your hand in the mud hoping to make the mud handy. You just make your hand muddy, yep, right? Exactly. And I, I think about it in the same way. Like, I'm not sending my kids to school to make the mud handy. My kids are just going to get muddy. That's yep. it. And, and they will. And they'll get it. And, and what happens, they don't come away stronger. And, and again, I, I, get to, I get to see this every single day. I work with thousands of people. And so I, I've been seeing it for literally over two decades. They don't come away stronger. They come away injured, hurt, maimed. And decades later, I'm still helping people deal with their emotional, mental, spiritual, social wounds that are still bleeding from experiences they had at government school and, and around peers. Um, just just disgusting things, mean things, and it didn't make them stronger. It didn't make them better. It left them wounded. You want real well, strength? Well, especially because they didn't have the tools to deal with what happened to them. In that case, that would have made them stronger. But without the mentor there or somebody to help them process and handle whatever happened, it is. It, you're right. It just leaves them wounded. Now. When just step back objectively and say, when do you go into battle? Well, when you're fully armed, you're fully trained. weaponed, you are trained so thoroughly, and not just like your basic infantry soldier, like, hey, they give you a gun, you spend a few weeks shooting, and like, we'll send you to the front lines. Again, we're not talking about the bare minimum, we're not mm -hmm. talking about we're talking mediocrity. about special forces. We're, I want like Navy SEAL label level kids when are, when are we going to go fight evil after we're done with our seal training mm -hmm. right that's and, and those guys the death rate among uh, special forces is so low because they are good at what they do well and i ultimately i guess that's what we're talking about like we're talking about home schooling home sourcing that's a special forces yeah. training yep. we're not trying to get the basic infantry it's not basic here. training and and maybe that's the great analogy there. Like, yeah, if you want your kids to be in the basic army, a regular soldier, great. Government school is perfect for that. And there will be consequences. But if you want them to be special forces, 
you're going to have to take a different approach because yep. you can't get the same outcome from the same. <laughs> you can't get a different outcome from the same training. Yep. I, I think that's a, a really great well, analogy. Well, and, and this kind of, this reminds me of something, what you were saying before reminds me of something you said while we were driving. You're like, put me in a room full of teenagers and within minutes of talking to them, you would be able to pick out which one of them had been public oh, school. Oh, hands down. You, you put a hundred of them in there. I can walk through. I can tell you which ones went to government school, which ones didn't. Because there's this, and I've seen it for years, there's this, Aloofness. Um, yep. There's there's a detachment. There's um, a social. Uh, well, it's almost they're, an they're, unwillingness they're, to engage yep, with adults for one thing. Yeah, they're they're weird around adults. They're weird around kids and adults. They're they're uncomfortable. They're uncertain. Their their main motive is fitting in. Mm -hmm. They're super insecure. Uh, even the real confident ones, like you can sense the mm -hmm. insecurity. They've probably because they've been mocked and made fun of so much that they're just hurting. They don't know how to be fully present. Mm -hmm. uh, they're they're constantly trying to be cool. Yeah. Um, they're they're mocking and making fun of others a lot. There's a lot of mockery and sarcasm. Um, th there's all these elements, and and I just spent a couple always, minutes with them. And they I always put in this pretense. Yep. There's, they're wearing masks. They're they're putting on a show. They feel like they're performing. Because that's what they've been conditioned to do, and they have a hard time staying focused, like for a long or time. Or engaging in deep engaged. conversation. Yep, it, it it's really fascinating, and they'll behave differently around peers of their own age uh, versus, versus adults, any other age. There's there's a lot to it, and it's all that's all kind of just the side effects right. of sending them to to government school. Exactly. So, and I guess that kind of brings us to another point that I have written down here, because obviously a lot of the iconic reason for sending your kids to school is socialization, right? I have to send my kids to school so they can be socialized. Where in my mind at this point, it's not even a real argument because as we pointed out, they're not properly socialized. They're peer socialized. That's not real socialization because real socialization in the real world, in the community, includes interaction with people from all ages, all demographics, not just your peers. Well, my so, definition of, of social leadership is the ability to have, uh, to start and lead and have a meaningful conversation with anyone, anywhere, at any time. That is social leadership. And extremely few youth can do that. Right. Now, again, we're not saying bring your kids home and they'll <laughs> That'll solve the magically develop problem. that. And no. they, they'll be, they'll have hope healthy socialization that's not true either at all right in fact it can go very very backwards but well we have to debunk the... the point there because there are very socially awkward kids at, that are homeschooled and they're very socially awkward kids that go to government school and then there are very socially skilled kids that go to government school and very socially skilled kids that um, are homeschooled in in that instance, it generally goes with the parent. The parent mm -hmm. has the social skills, or at least is encouraging the kid to be involved in social situations where they develop the skills. So, reading the books, practicing, getting in situations where they can. Um, I remember, I remember the situation where, um, I've been talking about social skills, 
and this one teenage daughter was a girl. She was she was struggling. She she was struggling with social skills. And I met the mom, and I realized, oh, that's that's where she learned it. And the mom was struggling with social skills. But the mom said to me, she's like, see, you know, and she's like, well, it's it's not it's not the parents. Do you you know do do I seem socially awkward to you? And I just didn't have the heart to say yes. <laughs> I just I didn't say anything. I just smiled. And she was trying to make the, you know, give it a speech about her social skills. And I just like, Ugh. I just didn't have the heart to say, yeah, it's you. And, and your daughter picked it up from you. But that's, well, that's the truth of it. Like, yeah, the tr that is the truth of it. And so the point I think we want to make with this, though, is that using that as the reasoning is not sufficient enough. No because way. as At we all. mentioned before, education is about formation of character which is more than just the social skills. It, it needs to be all of these other pieces, the, the mindset, the beliefs, the, the social expectation. That's what they're picking up more when they go to school for the social reason is they're picking up the social expectations. They're picking up the social faux pas, the things they shouldn't do if they're cool. And, you know, well, and how to how to avoid adults or how to put on a performance for adults. Oh, adults around must behave differently, and then okay, adults are gone, must behave differently. Right. That's what they pick up. So you you actually have to fight that even more if you want your kids to have really great social skills. Right. Absolutely. Because true, truly great social skills, I think, come by having a sense of authenticity and and integrity, where you're congruent. Like who you are in private is is congruent with who you are in public. You're not putting on this show, which is too often what's taught in, you know, in the social setting at school is to put on a show of, oh, well, I behave like this here and I behave like this over there. And so you have to realize that that's being taught unconsciously. All the time. All the time at school. We, I, I, we were recently on a trip and, and one of the moms, after getting to know our kids, she just came up, she's like, I love that your kids are just unapologetically themselves. They're just confident. They'll just they're just being themselves, and there's no no qualms. No, no, they're not like hesitant or shy or uh, am I am I fitting in? Will people like they just themselves? And she says it's so beautiful that they weren't tainted um, in the school system by that, right? And and it's true. That's one of the main reasons early on we said not do this. Like I don't want I don't want my kids going and being conditioned into some peer thing, which changes. It just goes with the fads and the phases, and it's just it's weird. It's toxic well, and weird. and it's toxic, and one of the main toxic fallouts of it, also emphasized in that book, Hold On To Your Kids, is that it turns them toxic against their own parents. Yep. And more and often than not, and their siblings, exactly, more sibling rivalry happens and more rebellion against parents happens because they're simply in an environment where what their peers think matters more than anything else. Yep. And so the more time your kid, back to what we mentioned before, the more time your kids spend with the peers, the less influence you have over them. And the obvious disclaimer there is if, if you're not leading a, a happy, healthy life at home where you're, you're joyful most of the time, you're engaging with humanity and life, and, and you're leading an environment you're learning, that's you're passionate. good, then your kids, if you bring your kids home and you guys fight all the time and your your kids fight all the time and you, you're angry and explosive and 
and you have a little toxic environment in your home, then the kids will pick that up too. Right. So it's bringing them home will only work if you are facilitating healthy, happy, social right. relationships. And, you know, we've heard it over and over again where the common thing is mom's like, oh, I just had to put my kids back in school because we were just fighting all the time and this and that. Yeah, I get it. That's going to happen. But what well, doesn't but have to happen. It well, what I'm trying to say is the obstacle is the way. Exactly. That that's going to happen, meaning it may be inevitable because of how your relationships are, that when you bring that kid home, you're going to have conflict. But that obstacle is the way exactly. to a better relationship with that child. Because it's exposing the problem. It's exposing the problem, which is saying, hey, this needs to be fixed. And if you just put the kid back in school, that doesn't fix the problem okay. just because you remove the conflict. It's just avoiding the, it. the friction. Yep. It's simply avoiding the problem that's there. And then that becomes then the foundation of the lifelong distance between you and that child. Well, and the siblings. And so the siblings. if your if your kids are fighting, what that is, it's a symptom. It's a symptom of a problem. And the fight is just a mirror saying, hey, here's something you need to work on and solve and fix. And if your kids are defiant, if they're they're Rebellious. talking back, if they're mean to you or to each other. Disrespectful. Yeah. If there's if there's any gap, the, all that is is a mirror. Your home is just filled with mirrors. And it's like, oh, there's something that needs to be resolved. There's something that needs to be changed. There's something that needs to be fixed. Now, the hardest part of this entire process, and in fact, I would say this is the hardest part about homeschooling your children, is that it does hold up a mirror of your own insufficiencies. Yep. And so when that mirror is being held up of like, wow, this child and I can't get along, it means there's something about me I have to change. The easy solution is spend less time with this child, send them away, then I don't have to deal with them. But that's not a solution at it's all. It's not a solution. This it's just avoidance. an avoidance of the problem. Yep. The, the real solution is to change myself, be the change that you would see in the world, right? It's, like This very point is another reason I'd say, yeah, you should homeschool. Because when you bring your kids home, it's going to expose all the things you got to fix. Right. You have <laughs> to become a bigger, better person, and you have to figure out how to help your kids do it too. So guess what? You should homeschool. Well, and because the, you're grossly inadequate. And, and I'll go for it. And the process of having those weaknesses revealed to you, and then going through to change them or improve them is goes back to what we were talking about before where that then gains you more influence with your kids because they see you transforming yep they see you taking on that transformation which then makes you a more respectable respectable person to them and someone worth listening to and someone worth following absolutely and, and we can talk about this because we went through it and we still are going through it right rich and i had to level up massively and we still are we're still growing we're still being exposed to the the gaps mm -hmm. in our own development. And, and that's why we have seven kids at home, some with unique particular challenges in education. Um, you know, every kid being different, every kid being a different kind of learner, a different response, mm -hmm. different needs. We have to neurodiverse, grow to you could the say, demands. Since that's a popular word nowadays, we've got neurodiversity. Yeah. And okay, great. It, when you bring them home and the problem arises, you don't go, ooh, can't handle this. I better send them off to somebody else right. and ignore it. 
Like, no way. Well, and We're I guess, figure out how to make this work. I guess that was the benefit that we had in part because we combined our homeschooling with a travel lifestyle. We often didn't have it in any other options. And there, and I'm not going to lie. There were times when I was at my wits end thinking, I just want to put these kids in school, but I didn't have the option because we were living in Nicaragua or, you know, somewhere in the world where I couldn't just throw them in school because I wanted to. So we were forced. <laughs> it's kind of funny that. To look back over the last 21 years and and kind of just chuckle at how many times you're like that's it yeah i'm sending them to school right. and you'd be like nope it can't happen not gonna happen and but as a result we were forced to find solutions yeah. oh this kid's not doing this i guess i gotta figure out how to help him do that thing or how to help her do this thing how to help her learn or this or that or read or study or do the math we were forced to find solutions rather than to just give it up and hand them over to the government school. Yeah. It wasn't an option for us. Right. And it was hard. It was hard it was on you. Hard. But I guess this is beautiful to hear you say this. Like you went through the gauntlet. Absolutely. Of, of home education with seven children while we're traveling. Worth it? Absolutely. Because not to brag, look at the outcomes. Like right. we literally have a great family and amazing kids right. and which as you alluded to was manifest yesterday at one of the times when it was your birthday we have this tradition of saying what we love about the person on their birthday and we had a very long beautiful discussion mostly our kids talking about how much they love and adore you and how much they love our life and how much they love each other and that they're each other's best friends and that we have an amazing life that they want to be a part of. And when they leave, they're sad, but they are so excited to come back. Like on and on, all of these things. That right there is the proof. Proof's in the pudding. Pudding's in right, the proof. How does that go? The <laughs> results don't lie. Right. Those are the results. And so it was worth every sacrifice and every effort. And yeah, as hard as it was, I'd do it again because it got the outcomes we want. And that was one of the things we wrote at the end here. Like ultimately... What is the outcome you want? Well, if you want the mediocre outcome with good kids, with a good education from good schools, yeah, that that path is laid out. Actually, it's, yeah, it's extremely rare to get good kids well, that are but it, actually healthy. No, and I'm being sincere. I'm not. I'm not being pessimistic here or even cynical. Okay, I guess if you're talking about like you, statistics, you, on, you no, you take on you take, you know, the average kid from the average. Just even from the good schools, what percentage of kids will, will make it through the school system and have their mind, body, and spirit intact mm -hmm. in a good, solid way? Not, not, not even counting the educational aspect of right. academics. Or yes, exactly. So then let's add social, like really good, true friendships and social skills and a really great education, a great base, and just a deep love of learning. Just take those five things. What percentage of kids go through the government school system and come out with those five things? It's unbelievably rare. Now, Probably less some, than 10%. Oh, way less. And some people think, well, no, I, I know a lot of kids, and I, I see these good families. That, and what's interesting about that is you and I were in a different position because people, good, good people, come to us and tell us their problems mm -hmm. and because they want help. What's interesting is they don't tell anyone else their problems. So from the outside, Everyone's looking at him like, man, that family's got it all together. They're amazing. They're the, they're the model family. 
and that model family, and again, they're great human beings. I'm not, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus here. They're struggling with really serious problems, and they're coming mm -hmm. to us for help. So we get to see the behind the scenes that no one else does. And what that's done for me is it just changes my perspective of the percentage of people who are really health and fit, uh, healthy and fit in mind, body, and spirit. Mm -hmm. It's extremely, extremely rare. And well, I, and in some ways, that's just what what we're emphasizing here is that's the natural result exactly. of the system. Exactly. It's not their fault. Right. That's just what the system produces. Exactly. And so we're saying if you want something different than what the system produces, something better, something better, you have to take a different path. Yep, a better path. It's the only way. Yeah. Now. But one thing I wanted to, you, you asked, like, what is it you really want? One thing I want is I want our kids to absolutely love, love, love learning. I want them to be lifelong learners that are just addicted even. I want a positive addiction to learning. Mm -hmm. And not just fluffy learning, but real learning, real love of reading and, and expanding their minds and tackling challenging subjects. And, and our kids have that. Mm -hmm. Our daughter read 100 and, was 127 books mm -hmm. last year. So 2023, read, and listened to. read or listened to 127 books. And these weren't fluffy books. They were great books. They're phenomenal lists for a 16-year-old girl. That one year of that many good books, high-quality books, is infinitely worth way more than four, four years, years at in a public high school, school. <laughs> all, all day long, all day long. In fact, she read more books that year than most people will read in their entire life. And, and these are books that were life-changing books. And she, she said that. She's like, I'm a different person. I can't be the same person. Mm -hmm. She was expanded. Her mind, her soul, just expanded by those books, by that content, by the exposure to vocabulary and stories and right and wrong and choices mm -hmm. and, and on and on and on all these subjects and all these things it was so beautiful so much development and you don't you don't get that mm -mm. in in the government school system in fact the vast majority of students who come to a school system will tell you they don't like learning they, they despise yeah it. in fact it produces the off the opposite effect it produces a hate of learning yeah. and just look around. Just ask any te most teenagers. They basically hate learning because of the public school system. And if you think that's not connected, it is. It's directly connected. The reason they hate learning is because of the system. Our 19-year-old son on his own is getting up every morning and he's writing. He's geeking out about writing. He's geeking out about Jordan Peterson and then he's using Jordan Peterson's new essay app yeah. to help him learn to write. And he is loving it and he's doing it all on his own. Nobody asked him to. Nobody required him. It's what he's chosen to do because he wants to do it. He wants to keep expanding himself. And, now, and we, we quote Jordan, Jordan Peterson a ton. And... There's a lot of people we're learning from. He's just an excellent example of an extremely well-rounded education. And even to listen to him talk, his presentations or his podcasts, it's challenging. Right. Because so if he's you can understand him, yeah, exactly. that says something about the level of your education. He's tough because he's quoting so much. So you have to read a lot and you have to research a lot, engage a lot just to understand one of his presentations right because he'll reference so many things yeah. in passing about this or that or the other unless you are familiar with what he's talking about you're you're, missing, it. you're missing the point of what he's trying to infer um all of that being said maybe we close on this 
because we've talked about this with our kids before. We've talked about it with each other. We talked about it with our coaching clients. Anytime you veer from the socially, I don't know if expected, but maybe socially expected path, the path laid out for you by society, because we'll fully admit the path laid out for you by society, and that includes school and education, is the path that's meant to keep you safe. It's meant to prevent you from living in dismal poverty, right? With no education. That's why it exists. It's a safety net. Well, yes, it's designed to keep you just one step above that. Well, but essentially that's what I mean. It's a safety net to, of some sort of protection. It's, it's in, instead of you landing at zero, they've designed a system that gets you to one. But I guess what I'm saying is that the danger, and we this is what I'm trying to close on here, the danger of stepping off of that path, the safety net path, the status quo path, the mediocre path, is that you have to be very intentional about actually getting the results you're going after, or you, you will likely, if you don't, zero. end up worse off. Yep. And that I think we have seen play out for other people that we know. We've seen it, you know, play out in a lot of ways. But that is the danger of stepping off the status quo path. Yeah, you're right. And, and we have to emphasize this because whatever you choose, it has to be better than the default, than, right. than the, the minimum standard. So by stepping away from this, you are stepping away from a minimum standard that's designed to right. protect society. So excellent point. So whatever you do, be committed to do whatever it takes to make sure it's a lot better mm -hmm. than what you step away from. If, if you choose, for example, to not go to university, which is okay because it used to be that the only place to get a really great education was at university. Now you can get it in other ways. But if, if you lack discipline and you lack commitment and you're terrible at managing your time and making good choices and, and you're, you say, you know, I'm not going to go to university because I'm going to get my own education, and then you don't do it, you're, you're worse off. off. You're worse off. You're worse off. Exactly. So you definitely should go to university, uh, knowing full well there's going to be some pretty nasty consequences because of that the university system, for the most part, is unbelievably corrupt. Like Jordan Peterson up. said. Yeah. But the same with the homeschooling that we're talking yeah. about. Like, yeah, we're we're giving this whole speech talking about why you should homeschool, but it's with a warning that if you decide to go that path and you don't do the job. extra. Because here's the danger. At least if your kids are going to public school, they're, they're learning something. If you bring them home and you don't actually teach them, they're learning nothing. And they're actually worse off now. So you have to have the higher vision of what you're after. And then you have to be willing to do the work to make it happen. Or else they will end up worse off or maybe just barely better off. So that's the danger anytime you pursue the non-conventional path is because you're now required to put that safety net in place that's gone because you stepped off that path. So for those of you who have already chosen this path, congratulations, keep going. I hope you listen to this and say, I, I need to level up. I need to keep rising. Some of you who are considering it, you might be like, man, that sounds like way too much work. It sounds like this huge, terrible thing. And we say, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. going to be so much work. Embrace it. Maybe, maybe well, that's the, the purpose of this message today is like, do it. Go for it. Become the person you need to become. Like, it, rise. I'm laughing because it reminds me of 
um, a conversation our oldest daughter had. She was doing some missionary work in, in the Dominican Republic, and she had some roommates, and they were talking, and she was kind of telling them about our family and her parents and everything, and all the things we've done, and all the places we've gone, and the countries we've traveled to, and yada, you know, on and on, all these different things. And one of them, kind of at the end, well, and she was also emphasizing like the amazing marriage we have and the relationship we have and, and how close we are. And that I also work from home, but I also homeschool the kids and we traveled all these countries. And one of them was like, that just sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> and she was actually kind of shocked by that. And she was telling me about it. And she's like, well, yeah, it's a lot of work, but what else are you planning to do with your life? What do you want to do anyway? Sit at home and watch Netflix while you send your kids to school? Because that was kind of the other story they were giving. They were talking about what they wanted to do with their life. And, and that's how it come up. Because she said, well, I want to do things like my parents have done and pursuing their dreams and all this. And they were like, well, I just want to get married and, you Send know, my kids to school. Be a stay-at-home mom. Send my kids to school and be home. And she's like, what? She couldn't get it. She's like, what are you going to do at home? What value are you bringing to your family? What value are you bringing to the world? Like, how is that a life path worth pursuing? She just could not get it in her head why to them, that seems so much better than all the work involved in creating something extraordinary. And so, yeah, that's the message. It's not going to be easy. It's a lot of work. But if you want extraordinary results, it requires an extraordinary effort. The extra comes in front of the exactly. Ordinary. It yeah. does. That's that's a really profound idea. Like, what are you doing with yourself? What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with the twenty four hours that you have? And and interestingly, because we used to be there too, some of us feel like we're just drowning in our little list of to dos. And it when you're in it. It feels real. It feels like mm-hmm. I remember. It this. feels I mean, stressful and yeah, it feels like, like overwhelming. Oh my gosh, I have so much to do. And now I look back at myself and I I laugh out loud. So I was <laughs> like, I can't believe I even felt like that was a workload. Like, right. I was so weak and so underdeveloped, and I thought I was busy. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what busy was. I, I'd never been exposed to how to actually get things done. And and had I stayed there and like, oh, this is so much. Oh, this is so hard. Oh, I just want to take it easy. I just want to unwind. I just need some downtime. I just need alone time to recover from getting my kids ready in the morning and then getting to bed at night. Ugh. It's <laughs> so weak. It's true. It's so, so weak. Well, and and- I want to share a just quick analogy. One of my coaching clients. Um, he's in, living in an RV full-time with his family. So he bought a new huge RV, like massive. And he went and bought a new big old truck for it, right? Brand new truck. And they had it for several months, and, and this light kept going off. And I said, what's going on? I'd take it in. And it was under warranty, so they fixed the truck. And the light kept going off and going in. And, and they finally went in. And this is a big, big, strong, brand new truck. And it's like, yeah, the truck can't handle the weight. He's like, when, when our trailer's loaded out, it's over 20,000 pounds. And he's like, yeah, unfortunately, you know, it's a new truck. It's a powerful truck, but it just can't handle the load. 
So he went and he upgraded to like the biggest, baddest truck, right? This huge dually. And he hooked up his 20,000 plus trailer and drove over the Rocky Mountains in winter to go. They're going for the ski season. And he's like, I was accelerating uphill over Colorado and the truck, I couldn't even tell my trailer was on there. I just punched the gas on the truck because I needed to go faster. I wanted to. And it didn't even respond. Like, I, I couldn't tell the trailer was on there or not. Like, I had to look back and make sure the trailer's still there because <laughs> the truck's just like, oh. And he's like, it's like my truck's just sitting there telling me, like, go ahead, put anything you want on me or behind me, whatever. You won't even know I'm pulling. <laughs> right? And, and so he and I got talking. I'm like, that's the caliber of people we want to be. That's the caliber of men and women we need to be. The caliber of parents were like, bring it. Is that all the load you got? Because I'm capable of all that and more. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of capacity and capability and competence we want. Like I can handle the load, whatever. Right. Where before I was like a little broken down <sighs> Volkswagen, like, don't put two people back there. I'll fall apart. <laughs> right? We're so weak. I was, and I'll be the first to admit it. I was so weak and, and pathetic and incapable. Mm -hmm. My capacity Same was so me. small. It was like a little dripper, mm -hmm. not a big container that could hold stuff. And if we choose the easy path, we stay small. Right. Well, uh, one of the things I feel like I love to tell people in my 20-day coaching is that the life of your dreams is going to require way more work than you're currently doing. Yep. I mean, I think it was Henry Ford or someone who says, you know, everything you dream of comes in the form of work. And that, that's a reality. Like, we think we want some dream life or some vision of whatever it is, the family life that we want to have, but we somehow think we'll be able to get it by doing the same effort we're making now or even less. And it, that's just not true. Everything you want is going to require more work from you. And that includes your family. If you want a better family, it's going to take more work. If you want a better education, it's going to take more work. And, and the key is you have to learn how to do the work. Yeah. Because we all only have 24 hours. And and if I if I had the same tools and the same skill set um now that i did back then there's no way i could do what we do and neither nor right, could you exactly right you actually have to get the tools and the leverage which is why you have the 20 day challenge why i have the be the man master class it's the tools and the leverage so now with the right lever we can lift these massive loads with the the amount of work we're doing so you're saying it requires more work and that's true but it's done in Sometimes a way it's smarter work. that's it's actually sustainable. Yeah, we're not exactly. getting burned out. In fact, we're less burned out mm -hmm. now while doing more work. Right. So it's like we, we have less before. stress, more results. Yeah. Right. How, how awesome is By that? By doing, we're doing more, yep. but with less stress. Yep, exactly. More capability and capacity. Like that truck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Carry the load. So. Hopefully this is helpful. Again, you guys, we're not telling you what you should do. Although here I am saying you should take your kids out of government school. <laughs> but 
the message is at the at the core, at the fundamental level, it's hey, this this is why we chose to do it. And I guess essentially the message is what outcomes do you want? Yep. You you've got to think about that. If you want different outcomes, you are gonna to have to take different paths. It's yep. that simple. And and now that you know we have three kids who are adults and you know we've been doing this for 21 years it's beautiful and we have we have the results it's working wonderfully and we love it we love our life and we love our family and it's it's all lined up and i guess we're here saying it, it totally works if you work it it's awesome so love you guys thanks for listening let us know uh, actually join us get Get the coaching, get the tools, get the resources, get the leverage. Don't try to figure it out on your own. Like let us let us help you get the stuff you need. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Reach out. Right